you're you're probably going to need that multimodality because people want to see what they're buying. If they're going to put money down, they usually want to see what they're buying. When designing a voice experience or AI experience in general, I think the more transparent you can make it, uh, the better better it is. Hello, folks. This is Alex Petrus, and you're listening to the Applied AI Pod. Welcome to a conversation about voice AI from the space of voice search and voice services. We are joined by Dustin Coates, voice search lead at Algolia, author of voice applications for Alexa and Google Assistant, co-host of VUX World, the Practical Voice Podcast, and Alexa Recognized Champion. And we're also joined by Hannes, Speechly co-founder and CTO, XRovio XReactor, worked on the first version of NLU for Apple's Siri for Finnish, machine learning and natural language understanding season specialist. We touch base on why hasn't voice AI taken off already? Can we fulfill an end-to-end new purchase naturally? How can we resolve the disambiguation problem in NLU, context and memory perspectives, and how do we make conversation natural? Enjoy! first topic I'd like to raise to the table is the fact that the market size valuation for uh, voice assistance has been estimated at around $7.3 billion uh, by 2025, with a CAGR of 24%, uh, as reported by Market Research Future. And all of this is in a context where voice AI is pretty covered by media coverages or being um, um, presented uh, of having su- success in and being in a growing demand for contact centers, for enhancing customer experience, for speech rec- in combination with speech recognition technologies, uh, for being used in automation and IoT projects. Um, through the adoption of smart homes. Uh, And all this uh, rise of voice search that is happening since the pandemic came um, are making, um, you know, some huge news, huge headlines uh, about how everything is growing with the voice AI space. But one question I would like to address to both of you, Hannes and Dustin, is uh, why hasn't voice AI taken off already? Why isn't used at scale uh, by everyone in all of these use cases? As you said, there's a lot of excitement, a lot of promise, a um, lot of hype. Uh, but but on the other hand, uh, really the 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 explosion or 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 sort of the 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 wider adoption of voice hasn't really happened. And uh, I think the simple answer is really that the user experience isn't yet there uh, and so I think the like most of the uh, voice experience is beyond something like turning on the lights or putting on an alarm or um, or uh, playing something on Spotify or just doing like a plain voice search uh, I think the experience really isn't there and I don't think it's the reason for that is, that the technology wouldn't there wouldn't be there. There's been a lot of uh, progress happening for the past years. Uh, speech recognition, um, like already for five years, has been basically on par uh, with humans, especially if you somehow constraint or uh, or context the task. Even the latest latest 
speech recognition results that, that you have for these most popular benchmark data sets, the, the results are like super, super human. So they're better than, than what humans could accomplish. The same thing is with natural language understanding. Uh, with GDP3 uh, and all of that, we're, we're very, getting very close to these machines being able to solve these AI tasks as as well or or nearly as well as as humans. Uh, so I don't think that's really the problem that the technology wouldn't be there. I think the problem is that um, that we we as a community have been a bit too sort of hung on idea, on the idea of of conversation. So I think a lot of the 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 experiences still. Uh, optimize for conversation instead of really optimizing uh, for getting the the job done for the user. So that's that's uh, what what I believe. So if you think of the, like the most popular use cases, the, uh, the turning on the lights or uh, doing something like voice search or playing something on Spotify, they're single turn command and control. Uh, first-party experiences that that are are popular because they get the job done in a simple and an efficient way, and I think that that is something that is still lacking on like on a sort of a, a more general scale in the voice community that 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 really optimizing for getting the job done uh, instead of uh, getting a really sort of a, a human-like conversational experience, that, that I think is a part of the problem. Uh, and so I think it's a great goal, uh, the conversation, uh, but I think we should go there toward like via uh, trying to do things a bit more simpler and perhaps sort of end goal oriented. So that's, that's my, my view. Thank you so much. Yeah, Dustin, what do you think about this perspective of, you know, voice AI? Uh, why hasn't it taken off? And how do you see the pandemic playing a role in all of this? I think you're right, Hannes. The expectations were overheated in the beginning when you had people coming in and they really expected to be able to build a Jetson-style intelligent assistant that could have free-flowing conversations. And what we have now instead is, in, in the best scenarios, uh, and Hannes, I think you're right, the technology is there, but nonetheless, once out of every 10 times, 15 times, 20 times that I try to turn on a light, it doesn't work. And, and you know, it's the, no matter the smart assistant, it doesn't work. Or uh, it was very illustrated illustrative uh recently as well i had my in-laws in town and when we put our daughter down for a nap we use the smart assistants to to play white noise to play rain sounds and for my mother-in-law 75 percent of the time when she would say play rain sounds it would play a, a song it would play not at all what she wanted and if we had a mobile os that aired out once every 20 times, nobody would use it, right? And so I think the fact that people are, 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 are adopting these smart 
assistance and adopting these voice interfaces in certain places is still a testament to how promising it is. And Hannes, you know, it'd be interesting getting your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, so I think you hit uh, hit the nail there. Uh, the like something that works ninety percent of the time, one one every ten ten times, uh, is 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 not not really good enough. And people people are used to used to better. And I think that that is that is definitely a big big problem um, and a problem in AI in general, I think uh, that you have this element of error uh, and and something where the system behaves unexpectedly. Uh, and so that's, I think, broader, broader uh, problem in AI. And especially, I think it's, it's very... Um, common i think if you compare like ai experiences to to experiences that are more logic based or fnls based uh, systems uh, th the problem is that when when everything goes well the the experience is magical but when something fails the experience tends to be horrible and there seems to be very little in between so i think that's a problem with AI in general. For voice, I think the like voice as a medium um, is very error prone. So if you think about like human performance in in something like understanding natural language, understanding even humans, the 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 sort of error rates are pretty high. So if you think about like transcription error people make like it's around 5% or something like that. So every people, even, even humans, when they talk to each other, they tend to make mistakes uh, with words, uh, even like five, 10% out of a hundred words. So even with humans, there's a lot of noise and error. And, but, but the reason why it doesn't matter for humans so much is that we're also very good at, at recovering from these errors. Uh, and so uh, in conversations, uh, it's very fast to correct yourself or, or you can recover from, from an error uh, or, or something where another person doesn't understand you by uh, obser observing uh, their uh, gestures or, uh, or other sort of cues. Um, and, and so humans are very good at somehow recovering from these these errors in, in conversation, that is something that is lacking still from current voice AI experiences. So uh, it's, it's very hard to recover from these errors. So, uh, and uh, that, that's one thing that I, I think is an important thing for, for the future of voice experiences. So really to think about the mechanics of these experience and, experiences and how you deal with error and how you recover from them so that they don't cost as much as they cost now. Uh, so I think that's, that's an important uh, aspect when designing voice. And one of, one of the important aspects, I, I believe that voice experiences are not yet 
on a par uh, with where they should be. How can we take them there? How can we take advantage of the opportunity a pandemic brings in respect to experimenting with technologies, adopting new devices like AI assistants? Uh, people at home are trying or wanting to give it a try to AI assistance more. Of course, they get angry after they see it fails so many times and so badly. But what's a way that we could, for example, teach or build our um, dialogue flows or our interfaces or uh, interactions for AI assistance with end customers that they are able to recover from errors and learn from them? What could be a good change in the flow to actually learn because for example in the in the example you you both gave with uh, turning on the light uh, and Dustin mentioning that sometimes it felt recognized to play a song rain song uh, what's a good option that we should return after seeing it fails we the ones that are building these solutions yeah, I mean it's a good question so uh, thinking a little about it I think I think you want to reveal as much information as you have, you know, as the as the system to the user, and and give them the tools to back out of it as well, right? This is something where, and Hannes can certainly speak more to the tech, right? But if you have an an inclination that you may be misunderstanding something, or you may be going down the wrong path then giving the user the opportunity to back out of it. And it's it's also important to think about it in terms of destructiveness as well. You know, we, we think the same thing in, in all type of app development. When you ask someone for their credit card, you ask them to confirm those those four digits on or the three digits on the back of their credit card, right? Because backing out of that is a lot harder than, uh, you know, writing a post on a forum or, or something like that. And it's the same thing with voice as well. Backing out of X may be harder than backing out of Y. And so you're going to want to be a little bit more careful when you when you take that action that's going to be destructive or take that action that's harder to back out of. And further, you're going to want to be a lot clearer to the user as well when you're on the fence, right? And, and you want to provide them that insight and say, you know, hey, I'm not entirely sure. Here are the options. What do you want to do? I think it's okay if you put an extra step in there so long as, you know, you're not doing it too much. You're not being too timid. But at the same time, having to start over is still going to be a lot more annoying than having that one extra step in there. Honest, you know, I know that your technology can, uh, you know, has a lot in terms of, say, going back and fixing uh, misunderstandings as you get more context. How do you approach this? How do you recommend your, your customers approach this? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Dustin, that a very, very important part of, of creating um, an experience is really to think about, in addition to the happy paths, the, the not-so-happy paths, um, and um, and um, the the approach that we take at Speechly, or or the idea, which is in the very core of of the technology that that we've built, is that uh, you should be able to fail fast, um, 
and if you fail fast, the, the failures don't cost as much as if you fail at the very end. Uh, that's sort of a, a common wisdom also when, when developing software in general. But here it applies to voice experiences. And, and the way, way we do that at Speechly is really uh, to try to give feedback to the user as fast as possible about how the system is understanding. Uh, and, and there we typically use visual feedback because the visual feedback is something that is non-interruptive to the user. Uh, so, so we can give that feedback even while the person is still, still talking uh, without interrupting the, the flow of the utterance. And there you can do things like, like you can even correct yourself uh, as you are uttering. And that's something very natural to humans. Uh, we, we tend to say, we, we tend to start speaking before we actually think what we want to say. And that results in hesitation in self-correction and all of that. And uh, I think it's very important that the voice experiences support that. So, so, so that you can say things like, I want... Uh, I want pepperoni on my pizza. Actually, uh, not pepperoni. I want some uh, some tuna <laughs> or something like that, so that you can correct yourself. And as you give feedback as fast as possible, uh, the person talking sees what the system is, whether they're understanding or not, and, and they can really react to these things very fast. A bit like humans react to each other when they see that. The, the other person is not understanding or is confused or something like that. So, so the, the, the rule of thumb would be to, to try to fail fast uh, and make correcting these errors very cheap. Uh, and so the problem with most of the current um, voice experiences is that they, they tend to be wired in a way where the response comes at the very end. Uh, so the, the, the systems wait for a person to stop talking and then they react and if it's a complex utterance uh, something tends to go wrong and if it happens at the very end it's very hard to correct that uh, as as dustin dustin said there so that's uh, that's the way i would would approach uh, the the um, issue and you can think of as an analog for typing uh, if you had to type a, a paragraph of text uh, and uh, you, would, you would type and you would actually see the, the result of what you typed at the end of the paragraph, uh, it would be very hard to type the paragraph instead of seeing the, the characters come to the screen one by one uh, where you can just, if you hit the wrong character, you can immediately correct yourself. So I think the, the experience currently with voice is, is a bit analogous to, to the first option where you actually see what you said at the very end where it might be a bit too late already to, to fix it. So that, that, that would be my, my uh, sort of suggestion uh, for, for these experiences to be more robust uh, towards mistakes and errors. And maybe to answer, answer there, uh, Alexandra, to your 
first question, how now with the COVID uh, and, and these sort of online services uh, and becoming more topical, how would I promote usage of voice services there? My, my answer to that is that we should go baby steps uh, and, and try, to, try to little by little get people more accustomed to, um, uh, to, to using voice. And I think a good, great example, for instance, is voice search. So a lot of websites have search. Um, they have search boxes that you can fill in. And so I think just like a small thing for getting people trying out voices to add a little microphone icon next to the search box so that you can actually use your voice uh, to fill in that search box. And that already, if you're on a mobile device, makes, makes that experience a lot nicer. And it's a small thing that you can do to, uh, to improve the user experience, uh, something that I think through which then when people start to get more used to using their voice, they get more experimental and uh, uh, can, can start to try out more, more advanced things. That, that, that would be my, my suggestion there. Uh, that's a thank you so much for the, the both of the perspectives. I think the uh, the challenge for giving feedback to the user is open. So uh, there's an invitation for our listeners as well. If you want to chime in and have your uh, own perspective, drop a drop a line and uh, let's uh, let's hear how would you solve this uh, this open uh, issue or how would you like to have it solved for you as an end customer. Um, Hannes, uh, you've mentioned uh, voice search as being a good way to experiment and test further, especially after the pandemic brought increased in um, digital usability, or at least bringing more digital infrastructures to to different countries across the globe. So it's it's increasing the digi- digital usability is a, it's a getting better. Um, Currently in voice AI, um, let's focus on e-commerce. Voice AI for e-commerce is used to fulfill secondary purchases tasks like adding to list, repeating previous order, or um, listening to product reviews. Uh, Can we take it to the main task? Uh, Can we take voice AI to the main task to actually fulfill an end-to-end new purchase naturally? Uh, I'm directing the question to Hannes first, and then uh, Dustin, please um, uh, chime in, because you both have strong experience in this space. I think you definitely can. And actually, uh, if you go to our our website, um, uh, there are demos. um, And actually, if you go to our Twitter, I I believe the the latest post there actually uh, showcases a demo uh, where that the entire journey of an e-commerce journey of first searching for a product, um, adding that to a, a shopping basket and then checking out using your voice is is showcased. So that definitely uh, is is a possibility. The approach that that we take is is really multimodal. So I think it makes sense in the e-com journey 
to use voice uh, to to make some of the task or or the the bottlenecks in the journey easier. So if you think of um, um, for instance, uh, an e-commerce task on a mobile phone, on a mobile browser, uh, writing, uh, writing, giving in input is, is very tedious. So making those things, so giving the inputs, because doing something like an e-commerce journey is actually pretty input heavy. So you need to provide information about the products that you want, as well as then when you check out, you need to provide quite a lot of information about yourself. So making those tasks um, easier using voice. Uh, and, and so the, the sort of the, the idea that we have is that you use the modalities that best fit, fit the task. So uh, you can still use other modalities like touch, visual, uh, to do certain things, and then augmenting, adding voice on top of that to really create uh, uh, an experience that is very smooth, fast, and and efficient, and and use the benefits of voice uh, to do those things that it works best with. So um, I am like, I think we're we're at the point that we can do that, and I think the most sense is to really uh, go multimodal to make it as efficient as possible. So. Uh, so that's that's my view, and I think the task of doing like shopping, even uh, like if you think of how how difficult it can be, even if if you just use voice and and you would call a real person over the telephone uh, to explain what you want, even even that if you have like human human grade intelligence in the other end, it might be still. Uh, hard, but if you have the modalities, you have the modality of touch and visual and voice, then that becomes a lot more efficient, a lot more nicer. So I think the key is in multimodality and really using voice in the tasks that voice is really good at. Passing the same perspective for Dustin's thoughts, uh, you, you, you come from this space of uh, voice search. So how are things seen from, from your lens? Yeah, I think Hannes covered a lot of it, but I would certainly challenge the idea that voice is only used for secondary purchases, secondary effects. You've mentioned reordering, and certainly that's it's used for that, but that is definitely a a smart assistant context, I think. And But Hannes mentioned the multimodality, right? I think, and this is just my personal opinion, right? But I think the idea of purchasing something entirely with your voice that you've never purchased before so the primary the the first time purchase yeah it'll happen for certain things primarily things that are undifferentiated right if i want to buy rice i want to buy rice i want to be buy beans i want to buy beans they're, they're not really that differentiated they're commoditized right but if i want to buy a shirt if i want to buy a book if i want to buy whatever I, I don't think that voice is enough for that. Or, you know, there may be situations like media or things like that where it does apply, but it's a niche, right? It's going to be a niche. You're you're probably going to need that multimodality because people want to see what they're buying. If they're going to put money down, they usually want to see what they're buying and they want to confirm and uh, et cetera. 
And so I think there will be increasing usage of voice to purchase. But if you think about the fact that people can start off searching, like Hannes mentioned, with their voice and then move on to, to tapping, to scrolling, to, to using their keyboards, whatever, then that that actually starts to to make a lot of sense, and that starts to you start to see a lot of value because that allows you to search on the go. That allows you to lower the bar of what's necessary to do the searching. You bring up your phone, you you click the the mic, you search. So it's quite interesting there. But but certainly, I think another thing that we haven't touched on, which is relevant to your earlier question of what impact did the the pandemic have on everything is that there is the purchasing flow, but there's also the after-purchase flow as well. There's the customer support flow also. And so if we think about the pandemic, I was mentioning to someone earlier today, actually, that in February of 2020, everyone was building Alexa skills in Google Actions. And in April 2020, everyone was working for contacts and applications. And and you know they saw that and they go, okay, the, the smart assistants are perhaps future-facing, but people are starting to look to reduce costs now or make money now. And they saw that there was a lot of opportunity to bring voice, to bring intelligence over into the contact center. And we're seeing a lot of a lot of benefit from that. And, and Hannes, I don't know if this is something that uh, you you all are examining as well, but, but certainly it's something that we're seeing quite a bit is how can we use conversational, whether it's voice or whether it's text, to reduce the time to solution and reduce the percentage of customers that actually need to speak with a customer support agent. And there's a lot of promise there. Yeah, so that's what we've seen definitely from from our customers um, using our technology. Uh, It's a little bit uh, like a little bit 10, 10, general to to what what you said dustin but um so we noticed that there are new types of of segments of people uh using our app with the voice and so there are uh and and this is related to the the story of uh of of uh the covid period and also what dustin mentioned um like being able to better support um the customers, perhaps without needing to direct them to a, a human, uh, a customer, uh, customer man- manager. So, so what we've noticed is really that the voice uh, functionality has brought new type of people, people that have are are probably less savvy in in using online services. But when you add voice. Uh, you have new types of people in in the age and and, and demography um, that that adopt these these services. So uh, I think that's that's a very important point. So uh, so you want to serve the customer better. You want to um, do it more efficiently. And uh, now now after the pandemic, as things are moving online. Uh, it's a new situation to some some segments of 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 customers and and uh, and uh, and and so you can really also improve the service service for them so so yeah that's that's what we've 
we've noticed? Um, you're somehow taking me, I mean, there's a bit of a segue to, to my next perspective of talking about uh, one of the NLP challenges in this space, namely disambiguation. Um, how are you uh, trying to resolve the disambiguation problem uh, in both text and voice perspective in your current companies? Um, starting with you, Hans, Hannes, per perhaps? So it's a very important problem. Um, and, um, and, and the way we look at it, uh, disambiguation is a problem in defining the scope or defining the context of the application and the context in which the user uh, user uses the functionality. So we've used we've used to these uh, very broad assistants like um, like Siri and and Amazon Alexa and and uh, so these very general uh, assistants that that can do almost anything. And that amplifies the, the this um, like this ambiguation problem, uh, ambiguity. So our approach is really to. So I believe the the there's a big promise in these point solutions, like I mentioned, like voice search, um, where you where you add a little voice button, um, or you can have things like form filling again you have a form that might be tedious to fill in you add a voice button and uh, suddenly it becomes a lot easier or if you have like a shopping application um, uh, where where you have the, the search functionality that context or that context in which you are whether it's a search uh, context or an application context or some form filling context, or or some other context, uh, when when it's scoped uh, uh, sufficiently, uh, you will have a lot of a lot less of these ambiguation problems than what you have uh, with with something that is uh, more more general, more voice only, and uh, and so so to to really answer the question. I believe context, the way we solve it is context. And a lot of that context comes also from the visual aspects of the application. So if you have a, 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 a graphical application, the graphical UI gives a context. And when you say something, that state change in the visual change changes the context. So using that and the context in, in which the application is, you can really alleviate the issues with uh, with ambiguity uh, compared to something where you only have voice and where where the voice assist assistant is is very generic. Yeah, we we see the same thing as well. I mean, we're certainly a bit of a different animal in that we are B two B, but our customers are are quite specific in what they're doing. So you've got an e commerce company that only sells shoes right or you got a a media company that's really geared towards you know indian soap operas right and so you you don't have this difficulty which you have in 
I mean, which you're going to see soon enough with, with Alexa, where you have to handle everything. And so that's exciting, uh, but it's certainly very challenging as well. And so we, we get around the issue. We solve the issue by not really needing to solve it. Just like Hannes mentioned, really being context aware and really limiting the scope or not artificially limiting the scope, but being in a limited scope where there's not going to be so much ambiguity. Perfect. <laughs> Let's move on to context then, because <laughs> that's, um, that's a whole um, area that's hard to solve as well. Um, and for context, I'm thinking like, for example, when it comes to an end-to-end product, uh, we compose it by looking at application, end-user, hardware, and technology. Uh, uniting this uh, we and solving this abrogation, as you mentioned, you use context. Context uses memory. Um, how are you tackling trade-offs um, where memory impacts context? And what are trade-offs uh, related to hardware performance, uh, computation, and even cost of so- storage that uh, you get to make? Um, and are the advancements on AI chips or storage uh, making a difference or not for you currently? Let's start with Dustin first. I'm interested actually in hearing from Hannes because this isn't something that we tackle. We we defer this to the end customer for, for them to make the decision themselves. So that's why well, I'm really interested in hearing how Hannes and the team over there approaches it. Yeah, so if I understand, understand the question, the, the question is really how... How do we keep up with the context uh, from from? And it's attached memory usage because to build a good context, you need to yeah. store some information or you need to use some information. Yeah. yeah. So um, for for us, like like the 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 approach that we have taken is more of a command and control. Um, in a context of a visual visual application, and as I mentioned there on on my earlier, was that when you have a visual application and that application has a state, uh, it has views, and so that uh, that is a very natural setting for a context that you um, the the application itself naturally. Uh, uh, keeps and uh, it also gives the cue of of what the context is to the user so if you have a certain view uh, it's very natural to the user to ask and 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 give utterances related to that view but it also sets the context that they understand easier that if you mention something that is not visu- visible in that context the system will will not uh, understand it, and and uh, so that's one aspect of it. And then the other aspect is really that uh, we uh, we propone more the idea of of a of a, uh, command and control, where where instead of doing like long dialogues, you you give individual commands and and control the system in that way and the benefit of that is also that once the user understands this paradigm they also understand that the system will not uh, 
will not be uh, keeping uh, like uh, complex contexts or long memories of the discussion uh, in sort of the linguistic memory of of the system. So uh, so we scope the the setting in a way where the system understands that they are uh, operating with a computer that might not understand like long references to the past in a similar way than than he, a human uh, conversating with with a human uh, so this might be a bit disappointing answer uh, but but the idea here is that it's it's simple it's it's very efficient uh, and and it's also transparent in the sense that you don't enter to this uncanny valley of 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 setting up an expectation that that you cannot cannot meet uh, so it it really represents our idea of trying to get the the task done and and doing it using visual information and setting up the context in a way where it's very clear to the user that they're using a computer and it's in a certain state and based on that state it's natural to do certain things, say certain things, but beyond that, uh, it will not, it will not react uh, to referencing something that happened in the past in a very complex way. I think it's uh, it feels right to set the the expectations straight. I I I think yeah, this is the right thing to do, and um, you know you. We've talked about disambiguation, we've talked about context, but, um, you know, to simplify voice experiences, I'd like to make an analogy that I found um, connected uh, recently. Uh, so while I'm passionately relaxing by uh, diving into interior design styles, I found the, the Japan, the interior design style, and there's a saying from Franco Bertoni about Japandi as a, an interior design style, uh, saying that it takes everything to its essential quality to achieve simplicity. And this interior design style actually adds value all the time and f- is natural. Both of these um, unique traits, we kind of need them with voice AI um, use cases, you know, to feel natural and to add value all the time. Uh, how can we bring, you know, a similar approach to to voice AI in everyday life? How, how can we make this Scandinavian, Scandinavian that meets Japanese style functional for all, but also natural for all at the same time to be able to hide te- the technology completely and have that intuitive uh, flow? And um, from top of your mind, uh, from both of you and your perspectives, what are some top three areas where we could improve uh, right now, uh, say in the next year? That's a good one. So the, the goal here is to both make it invisible, so to speak, but also obvious in how to use. Yeah, uh, obvious, natural and functional. Yeah, I, I, I think we've spoken a lot about this, and I think Hannes spoke a lot about this very, very, very eloquently. Which is that I think it's not necessarily three things; it's one big thing. Which is start with start with what's most 
most functional, right? And and a sort of tautological, because most of those needs, as Hannes mentioned, is one shot, right? It's it's one shot, and you you get your information back, you do the transaction quickly, right? It's not a long conversation. If you run into situations where you need a conversation, then you, you revisit. But I think that's the the first thing is you know let's crawl, let's crawl. We're we're not going to run, or we're not going to run, we're not going even going to walk. But let's start crawling first. And just like Hannes mentioned, uh, obviously I'm a little biased, but I, I think voice search is a really good way to start. Everyone's got their mobile on them. Every single mobile has a microphone. Every single mobile keyboard has a microphone input, or you could just put it directly on the the text box, which I think is even better to do because you, you have more control in that regard. But start there, start small, start small, and then try to go more advanced. But but don't try to go advanced and then end up having to go small because you burnt yourself out. Yeah, I, I, it's like Dustin said, this is a very, very good question. And, and I, I really agree with Dustin, Dustin here that the functionality, I think the combination of uh, functionality and, and simplicity and they, they somehow, and naturalness, I think they all, uh, all feed to each other. Uh, so I think simplicity and functionality are, 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 are very close to each other. And then the naturalness, uh, you, can, you can debate where naturalness comes from. And, and for me, naturalness is, um, is transparency uh, to the user uh, in, in understanding uh, how the system works. So uh, in, in a conversation, I think a conversation, the best conversations are where both parties um, are able to em- empathize with, with each other. So uh, I think it's when, when designing a voice experience or AI experience in general, I think the more transparent you can make it, uh, the better better it is. The easier it is to for the user to understand it to to a certain extent, at least, uh, or the situations, uh, the be- better and the more natural it is. Uh, so, uh, so making those those experiences transparent and easy to understand. Um, and and you can like when talking about naturalness, you can think about whether it's whether you should as, aspire to to something like a system that you can really talk to, like as as you were talking to a human, uh, or then a system that is easy is simple and and easy to understand, uh, and 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 becomes natural uh, from from that way. So. I think this elegance, simplicity, and and uh, and functionality are are the the keys to something that is natural and and uh, uh, and efficient and and nice nice to use. So I would I would think think in in those lines. Thank you so much, guys. This wraps up um, our conversation. Thank you so much for your thoughts. Thank you so much for your future perspectives and throwing out your 
your minds uh, in this uh, conversation. I think, you know, we could go on for hours. This space is quite wide. And I'm definitely interested to find out more about mobile design needs applied to voice, something that we haven't tapped into this conversation and might be quite interesting to find out. Uh, as Dustin mentioned, we do have a, a mobile phone in our pockets uh, most mostly all the time. Not sure now in a pandemic because I don't have the phone we need all the time right now. Um, so maybe in the pandemic, has the behavior changed, Dustin? Have you have you seen that in the, in the metrics? I, it doesn't seem like it's changed that much. I can say anecdotally, I have my phone on me more than ever. So, um, <laughs> you know, on the couch, in the bed, on, on the chair, uh, it doesn't really matter. But we haven't seen too much of a change, though. Perfect, perfect. Thank you so much for your contribution. Thank you so much, Hannes. Uh, quite a pleasure. Good luck with Speechly. Uh, strong thank things you. happening there. Uh, thank you so much, Dustin, Definitely. for your contribution. Algolia is huge. We love the 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 search uh, API uh, you are providing, and that's a complex. Even if you mention you are covering one side of the story, that's a complex product to have there. So it's growing. We see the uh, vibe of it, uh, and we're loving it. Good luck in your in your side endeavors as well, and um, happy to host you on a future session as well. Thank you so much. That's all, folks. Thank you for listening to the Applied AI pod. If you like what you listen, don't forget to subscribe or rate the podcast. If you're into voice AI, I look forward to hearing from you. Take care, everyone.